0: This episode of the School of Laughs podcast is brought to you by Patreon supporter John Hill. If you'd like to find out how you can support the podcast through a small monthly donation, visit Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N forward slash School of Laughs. Thanks, John.
1: Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by school Laughs Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show.
0: Hey, it is time for the show. This is Rick Roberts. Welcome to the School of Last podcast, and thanks again to our supporter through Patreon, John Hill. Hey, today we've got a great podcast. It's with Brooklyn Descent. Brooklyn I met uh, through the podcast. She's a listener And she's way up in Seattle, Washington, where she is not only just a comedian, but she's also a corporate trainer. She's got a lot of great insight as to how to use social media today, kind of continuing our theme for August of social media domination. But she also talks about how to connect with your audience and using different skills to do that, making sure you're always performing for the audience first. Instead of them being there for you. So, very, very cool stuff from Brooklyn. A couple of quick announcements before we get into that. If you are in the Nashville area, we do have comedy classes coming up pretty soon. It's the performance class. That's where you get on stage, get feedback for your material, for your stage work. And we put that together so that you can kind of take what you've written and make the most out of it. That class is coming up in September, the 6th, 13th, and 20th. If you're interested in that at all, give me a shout out, schooloflast at gmail.com. Also, if you are a Patreon supporter at that seven dollar a month level and you're in club fifty two, you might want to join in the Google Hangout this weekend. It's on Saturday, and that goes from one to two o'clock Central Standard Time. I'll send out an invitation to all those who are supporting the podcast seven dollars and up and I hope to see you on that Google Hangout where I'll actually see you, get to connect with the listeners. We always have a lot of fun and we'll go over those last few weeks of the challenges in in club 52 so lots of fun stuff going on there and i think right now we just need to get into this episode and i'll talk to you a little bit afterwards here's brooklyn descent hey i'm here with brooklyn descent brooklyn how is it going oh man fantastic and you're in denver colorado or co- where in colorado today
1: officially i'm in a place called bloomfield so don't ask me where it's out on the map but that's where i'm at
0: very good and are you doing a speaking engagement there
1: I am, I am. I'm doing speaking out here for the next uh, couple of days, and then I head back to Seattle.
0: Were you born and raised in the Northeast, or where did you start out?
1: Yeah, no, I actually, uh, originally, uh, I was established in uh, Puerto Rico. That's where I was actually born, in Puerto Rico. And then, like every good Puerto Rican, we migrate to New York. Uh, my family had commuted back and forth to, from Puerto Rico to New York uh, over the years and before I came along. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, and then around seven years old, we moved to, to Queens, New York. And literally moved around a lot when I was a kid. I don't know if it was, you know, we were undercover CIA or my parents couldn't pay rent. Either way, right. we were moving everywhere. And uh, <clears throat> so mostly New York and then eventually moved to uh, Massachusetts and then finally uh, uh, landed in Maine of all places. And my my parents are still there in in, uh, in, in Maine. And for the last like <clears throat> 25, 30 years, it's, it's crazy.
0: And what, what made you move out West?
1: So I kind of have like what I call sort of a, A dual career. I'm both. I do corporate work and then I do entertainment. And so, uh, and sometimes I I combine the two. And um, I got a job with uh, T-Mobile at the time, like 10 years ago now, uh, uh, doing leadership development and doing uh, training internally. And um, they moved me out to to Seattle. I was working in Maine for a little while, and then they moved me out to Seattle. I get to travel a lot in this business of speaking, and so um, I loved it. The minute I got there, I'm like, this is where I want to live
0: forever. It's, pretty, it's two great, beautiful places that you lived. It's about as far from each other as you can get.
1: Exactly. Point to point. You know, in fact, it's funny because uh, uh, Maine area code is 207 and Seattle area code is 206. I'm like, that. how, how do they figure that? I don't know how that happened, but nonetheless, um, it's it's comparable, right? Like if you live in, in nice um, communities like you would find in Maine and then you come to, to Washington, it's pretty comparable. So I didn't feel like it was too far from home in that way. Uh, but weather-wise, it was really fantastic uh, community. just It felt like it was a big city, but it was small enough that you can get lost in it a little bit if you want to or not. And the people are really cool in Seattle, so that's where I call home now.
0: When you started developing your corporate speaking, was that based on the T-Mobile stuff?
1: A little bit of background. My, my dad, I'm a preacher's kid. Oh, cool. I'm a preacher's kid. My dad uh, was a preacher since I was like, I don't know, like 10 or 11 years old. And one day, um, I was around 12 years old. He said, um, I want you to do this week, this, this next sermon and get up there and preach. And I'm like, what? And, and, and now I have four siblings, uh, three of which are kind of useless. But nonetheless, <laughs> nonetheless, he kind of uses me as like his, his, his protege, right? So he didn't ask anybody else. He asked me, he goes, I think I, I need you to, I think you're ready. I'm like, all right. Um, so I said, well, what am I going to talk about? He goes, just pick a topic and, you know, we'll, we'll work it through. And sure enough, I picked a topic and my topic was, you know, how to tap into the wisdom of God. And at 12, if you can get anything from your parents, you know how to tap into the wisdom of God. And uh, I was more of a mind frame that I wanted people to not use sort of prayer as, oh, let's let's hope and pray. No, dude, go work. That's how you get a job. Go work. Go out there and fill out an application. I'll, I'll, you know. But anyway, so um, the minute I got on stage... Uh, a I was funny, I just sort of naturally funny. I have funny people in my in my family um i didn't know anything about comedy or anything like that, but I just I knew how to be funny and I was funny at a serious topic and you know i I kept two hundred people captivated for an hour and I remember just feeling this is what I want to do like this somehow this is what I gotta do for the rest of my life and then um shortly after that, I was uh watching this p b s special I was like maybe uh, 14, no, 15, 16 years old, watching a PBS special of this guy speaking. And I had no idea what this was about. And it turns out it was Les Brown. Oh, wow. And Les Brown, yeah, was doing his, his way back in the day. He was doing the, you got to be hungry. And I was like, "Ooh, I like this guy. Now I want a beard. And um, he wore a beard really, really well. But anyway, so I, I decided right then I want to become a speaker, but I have to get old because I have no experience. I have no life experience to teach people how to be hungry, right? This guy was talking about paying bills, and I'm like, I don't have to pay bills. I, I live for free, and so I, mean, I didn't have a lot of care in the world. So I figured I'd do I when I was 40, and believe it or not, uh, I, um, I over time, I, I, I learned to, to speak. I did a lot of speaking classes, a lot of speaking training, uh, became a corporate coach, uh, a corporate trainer, went to school for corporate training because I knew I, that's probably the, the, the people I'd be speaking to eventually. And, um, and then it, when I actually turned 40, believe it or not, I, I actually got to meet Les Brown is a great story around that, but got to meet him as my sort of mentor idol, if you will, as a kid, but as a kid, I was, I kid you not as a teenager, I'd be listening to uh, Les Brown, Zig Ziglar, uh, Tony Robb, where all these guys were coming up as they, they were like my comedy, uh, mentors, if you will, but more they, they were definitely uh, mentoring me around speaking. And so, um, uh, yeah, that was, that was sort of my my entry into it, I just knew that I felt comfortable on the stage, uh, A, making people laugh, but having a message. And that was pretty impactful.
0: And you started using humor in, in your speaking and your corporate stuff to keep people's attention as well, I'd imagine.
1: No, oh, ab- absolutely. And then, and then in 2004, I was walking around the streets of Portland, Maine, and I stumbled upon this comedy club. I had never been in a comedy club before. didn't know what it was. Um, and I didn't drink because we were born and Christians. I never really drank, and so I walk in this comedy club and thought, "Well, what happens here?" They, this guy's like, "Oh, a couple comics come, come up and say tell jokes." And I'm like, "Really?" So I had to buy a two drinks because it was two drink minimum. I bought two drinks, set them on the table, never drank them, and just watch these guys do comedy. And I was already, be, I was already a corporate trainer, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, I can do that. That that's the thing to do." And I literally didn't know how to where to start. And I asked the guy who owned the club. I said, "Hey, how do I do that?" And he said, "Well," We have, like, an eight-week uh, comedy course. You can come take the eight weeks. And, um, you know, we have a little show at the end, and it'll be cool. And and I've just never stopped since then. So I took the course. Uh, I, I feel so old saying that back in the day, the Internet was not that easy. Right. <laughs> it's not a, like a thing. So I remember trying to find as much as I could about the topic. And um, I went online, and I studied. So I did the course, but I was also studying, right, you know, other comics. And I would, at the time, VHS, I used to record... Comedy Central used to have every every day at noon. Used to have like like just straight up comics um, or stand up, and I would record it. And so I would come home, watch it, study it, watch it, study it, and then do my thing. So by the time I got eight weeks later to do a show, it was, I, it, was it was awesome. It was a great experience. Um, you know, I, I love to say I killed, and I did. Now not because they were friendlies, but right. <laughs> um, but but I, I really did. Um, it was a it was the best five minutes of my life, and um, haven't looked back since. And and now combined the two skills of speaking and as well as comedy.
0: That's great. And do you have a, a, a straight-ahead stand-up show that you do without the message? Do you, or do you keep the message light with it? The... Yeah.
1: No, that's a great question, yeah, because uh, sometimes we people who are in sort of my, my, my position struggle with, you know, I have a message, but sometimes I just want to be silly. Sometimes I just want to say things. So I do. Um, uh, uh, interestingly enough, I, I try to keep it clean no matter where I am because you never know who's in the audience. And so you never know it could be a potential buyer, which is, has happened. People come up to me and say, hey, do you do corporate gigs? And I'm like, oh, yeah. So stay, keeping it clean absolutely helped me to get other gigs from gigs that were not corporate gigs, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, and that was significant. And I learned that early. I learned that early for, from comedy mentors. Is like, you know, you have good material, you know, be relatable. And it doesn't matter whether you're corporate or, or a comedy club, you'll relate. And just be likable. That was the biggest thing. If you're likable, you know, you're going to be all right.
0: Um so yeah, it, it, it has uh, worked for me pretty well. Yeah, a smile goes a long way on stage. Went over a lot of people.
1: Absolutely, the smile, the energy, right? Uh, you instantly are, are like, well, um, just two weeks ago, actually, I did um, I did a gig uh, uh in Seattle. There were like four hundred people at this event um uh, on a weekend, and I and. and the weird thing is, is one of those things, you know, you ever been in a situation where you're going to do comedy, but people in the room don't know comedy is going to happen? Yeah. yeah. And certain, right. You're like, how am I going to get people's attention? Um, but, and I was, there was some music being played. And I thought, you know, I'll just play with the music and act as if this is all party and then eventually bring it down and then start, uh, do, do, you know, do my set. And, um, it, people instantly took, cause I just, I worked with the energy in the room to kind of continue the flow versus stopping it sort of in the middle between people having fun and drinking and whatnot. So all of a sudden listening to somebody talk after you've been dancing and having fun. So that was an interesting lesson, but certainly, again, all these years of just knowing how to work a room and how to work with the energy and play off of that versus go right into my my set because, you know, your set is your set. It's about you, but you've got to work with the room first to get them to to get them to, on your side.
0: Right. And then once you've got them on your side, you're, you're good to go. Do you have a theme to your show on stage or is it kind of change up depending on the audience?
1: Yeah, you no. Know, I used to have a theme, and then um, I found that I was much more comfortable almost creating it in the moment. But what I learned in one of the, with one of my uh, my speaking trainings many years ago was I created stories, and so I worked on my stories. And so I can determine if I go, in, for example, into a corporate crowd, what story based on what they me- the message they want to hear, what stories I'm going to tell, and you kind of weave in the message around the story. Uh, with with stand up, it's the same thing. I work with with who the audience is, what I know about the people in the audience. I may work some material that I already have. Pre-planned and other things I improv, uh, which is scary for a lot of people. And comics don't like to do that, but I absolutely love it. I love um, riffing off the audience, playing off the audience, and um, you know, with my, in, in and out of my jokes. Right. So I have stuff that's scripted and stuff that I work in based on the improv, um, and that has been really, really successful. I um, first I thought, I'm like, oh my god, what am I doing? I'm committing, you know, comedic suicide. But people really play off with it, and, and, and even some jokes that I have scripted. You know, you know how it is. you make it work like it's improv, but it's already been pre, you know pre planned. So
0: yeah, especially if you're weaving in with stuff they know that you're making up on the spot because you're talking to somebody you've never met before and you're finding some yes. humor there.
1: Yes, yes. And over the years, when you're improving like that, you collect you collect data. You know, you, we're just sponges, right? We collect data from all kinds of places. And maybe this happened. This situation happened today, and in a few weeks, something will happen that will remind me of the situation. I can still pick up on that and, and build on it. Um, so I no longer worry too much about, you know, oh, I, 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 is my set going to work? Am I going to bomb? Because it's not really about me. It's about the audience. It's about giving them a great experience, a great show, um, and having them be fully engaged. And again, I think those lessons come a lot from training and speaking, where it's really about the audience. And then as a comedian, the same thing. It's about them. It's about the audience. And I play with them so much so that, that I'm having fun as well. so
0: That keeps it fresh, doesn't it? Yeah, That's Absolutely. Cool. Do you have some comedy goals you're trying to knock out in the next three to five years, or shorter term than that. What's 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 on yeah, your to do bucket list?
1: Yeah, no kidding. My to do, absolutely. You know, and, and I hate saying this now because I think a lot of people probably think want to do this, but I absolutely want to want to do the national scene with, um, like the national the, the show, like uh, you know, last comic standing for sure. Right, want to want to hit that scene, um, and and at some point I want to get to the to the point where I can use my comedy and my sort of speaking and stage skills uh, maybe on screen at some point. will do a movie here and there. I, I, I'm a nut. I love being a clown and I, and I love acting. Um, I definitely have been uh, taking some obviously improv classes and sketch classes and so on. But I think that there's an opportunity to, to take this comedy skill and ability uh, into other mediums. And I think that's, that's for me for sure to do,
0: to, to do huge competitions like uh, the last comic standing, as well as uh, film at some point for sure. Would you be interested in writing any of your own pieces, or sketches?
1: I, I definitely am because I, I, I do already, right? So I think part of it is, you know, well, why not just, you know, and actually people like have told me then just create a, like a webisode or something on YouTube and whatnot, um, and it's true. And I think that that the weird thing, Rick, that that this whole process in my life has taught me is that, especially for, and you know this, nobody's telling us what to do. Nobody's telling us we got to do this, right? We have no manager. We have nobody – you know, forcing us, it, it's all us. And if we don't do it, it dies. If we don't do if we don't pick up, you know, I'm, I'm working literally on a couple books at one time and if I don't get in my computer and start going through the, direct, nobody's doing it for me. Right. So, so part of that is just keeping that fire alive of whatever that is that for me is so significant. So, um, so yeah, right now it's just to, to, to continue to, to, to study my craft, to, to get on stage, to, um, to perform as much as I can, as much as possible. Uh, be a beast about it, really, because uh, I, I keep feeling like I'm getting older, uh, which is a good thing for comedy. Because it doesn't matter how old you are, you can get any age. Um, but it's it's staying on top of my own goals. That's really it makes sense. As a big a big goal of mine is stay on top of my own goals. To so stay on top of um, my own uh, ideas of what I want to do, because there's nobody telling me I got to gotta do it. I mean, there's people who will email or text or whatever and say, "Hey, when, when's the next show? What's going on?" And you know, you owe it to so that audience. But in general, you know, nobody's telling you what to do.
0: Keep the pedal to the metal.
1: Yeah, so it's good and bad. You know, uh, here, here we are. We grew up and we hate our parents. God, like, I don't want parents. No, I need a parent. I need a parent. I need somebody to tell me what to do. Like,
0: it helps to have you know. somebody bugging you and keeping you accountable. And are you part of any mastermind groups?
1: Uh, I was actually just because of my schedule. I haven't been able to keep up with it. But that's an absolute um, uh, uh, must is to keep in touch with a community of people that you're somewhat accountable to, because if it's just you, then it's no good. And, and I have, but I kind of force myself or I will, I, I, I will kind of make myself accountable in public. I'll post on Facebook. Um, guys, I have a show coming up in two months and I don't even have dates. I don't even know where I'm going. I'm like, yeah, two, it's two, in, in two, two months. In fact, that's how one big, big show happened. <clears throat> Somebody emailed me and I was on a plane and I was on my phone and I was on Wi-Fi, and I can obviously get on, get on Facebook. And they Facebooked me and said, when's your next show? And I'm like, "Oh crap." Was my actual, and I literally opened up my, my calendar and thought, okay, when am I home, right? And I was not going to be home like for another, like another six weeks proper. And I thought, and I just picked a date and I said to them, yep, here it is. And I created, I created a, a, uh, an invite right then, uh, a Facebook invite. I said, place is going to be TBD. And then I put the, you know, put the, uh, the fear of God in me, I guess. And, uh, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal show. And, uh, but it was because people were saying, where are you? What's going on? And you can't be out of, out of the, uh, you know, they're they're, they're, um, you be they're top site of, too. Yeah, top of mind. Top of mind, exactly, all the time with with different things, different you know, different commentary and so on. Um, uh, Facebook Live has been actually quite quite cool for that. Um, I have commentaries on a lot of different things, and uh, people are listening, right? You have people kind of on the periphery just listening. You got to stay in touch with the audience, no matter
0: who they are and where they are. Tell me a little bit about how you use Facebook Live because I haven't really tapped into that yet. So. I'm at the point now where I'm like, do I need one more thing that I, that I'm going to be doing? Because I think you've got to do it co- consistently, right? Or at some kind of interval where people tune in. Like, how do you approach it? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. He, here's what I think about uh, social media in its
1: entirety. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's media. It's your own media, and you need to know what the um, the intent of the intent you're using each media for. So, uh, live uh, Facebook Live has a particular purpose. I think it'd be, it it was a, it was a respo- in response to Twitter's Periscope. That's where that all came from. Periscope came first. People were going nuts about it. People have the sense of like right now in the moment. So for right now in the moment, let's give them something that's entertaining right now in the moment. I'm not going to make it up. I'm not going to you know. If I have a message to say, oftentimes in uh, on Facebook, even though people I'm a, I'm a comedian and I do comedy, they love the motiv- the motivational stuff I do as well. So I will be motivational about something, but it's intentional and it's not very long. Usually it's about two, three minutes. Um, keep them sort of wanting more, if you will. And so I use it for, um, I planned it out, but it's usually I know, okay, so I'm going to go to do a show, for example, and I want to give people a sense of where you know where I'm at and what I'm doing um, and sort of, you know, uh, or invite them to, to, to attend something. So it's, it's, it's a call, some sort of call to action is what I use uh, um, Facebook live for. Um, Instagram, uh, Instagram for me is a way to tell a story and tell a story in fifteen minutes. And my Instagram, which I haven't actually posted in a number of months here, because it actually start I started to get really serious about it and created like these little mini mini movies, like these little mini sketches. And it takes a bit to do that, you know, for each one. Uh, but for me, it's telling a story, and you start to create a brand. And if somebody looks at your Instagram, the whole, all the 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 videos and images come up at once. You can get a, a sort of a sense who is this person. Are they funny? Are they motivated? you know they into fitness? What are they into? And you can tell really quickly, and then you start to get followers. But you also have to give a call to action on Instagram. So anywhere you any anywhere you, that you market or anywhere that you have a presence, what's your call to action? In most of these cases, is follow me, right? Like this thing and follow me. YouTube same thing. Like this thing and follow me. YouTube, for example, for me has moved on to be more. Um, uh, I would say if if you have a set that you want to put on Facebook, because there's more time, you can but it's really for people to get more of an experience. If they want to know more about you they want to get more of, of, of exposure to you, they'll go to YouTube because now I have, you know, I have a whole hour or I have, you know, 10 minutes of, of material. Um, and it's good also for, um, for marketing, for people who have not kind of jumped into Facebook and, 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 uh, Instagram because they're familiar with Twitter. I'm talking about, you know, the baby boomers and, and also people who may hire you. They kind of still go into, to, to, to YouTube. Um, so just what I would say is, is have a plan for who your audience is and what you're looking to do, but then have a call to action in any one of those mediums, um, that they're used to hearing, which is, you know, follow me, uh, every, every video on, uh, on Instagram, I'll say, you know, it'll be on the bottom, like, follow me. And people start following you because you told them to, <laughs> people, people,
0: it just hurts. People
1: are going to do it like me, you
0: know yeah. what I mean? Well, there's a lot. Of, that's a good advice because a lot of people don't have a call to action, and some people aren't even familiar with the term. You know, a CTA or call to action. Anytime you post something on media, like Brooklyn was saying, you know, you've got their attention. So ask them to do something, whether it's following you, subscribing to your YouTube channel, subscribing to your podcast, uh, checking out your newsletter, all those different things.
1: Yeah, and nothing to is comment people comment say something tell me what you think does it suck does it good what's your opinion if you if you have if you have a a talk or you're a comedian who has you know a very strong opinion about something definitely put it out there in fact uh, it's interesting because uh i did a a facebook live a couple weekends ago when the whole orlando thing happened and um it had nothing to do with orlando and i just found out that morning it had nothing to do with orlando and somebody literally uh, posted as i was filming they said i thought you were gonna say something about orlando i had some thoughts about it and I literally said in my video, I, I have, but I can't even talk about it right now. Like I can't even go there. So, um, and then I had additional points I made later. But people are, are interacting very much live with you. Um, I think another cool thing to do, which I've done in my shows, is that I will um, give somebody my phone and have them, you know, shoot the the show live. Right? People want to know what you're doing and how you're doing it because they're at home just watching, and it becomes another form of another form of TV, if you will, um, and time waster of anything. But if, if you're going to waste people's time, make, make it, make it, make it, it's going to sound weird. If you're going to waste people's time, make it valuable. Right. So, so, <laughs> so waste, wait, valuable waste. waste,
0: like plutonium.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's a valuable waste. We need this waste. Um, but then they click on. And in fact, I have people who've told me that they don't even listen to the sound. They just watch me because they, they're already laughing, just watching me talk. And so you begin to, to build a sense of, of community by these different mediums. And Facebook live is everybody's starting to do it. If you do it, Absolutely, have a call to action at the end, ask people to do something at the end, and, and give them something of value, right? So it's not just be funny for funny's sake, but give them something of value, and they will start to follow you for many different reasons.
0: That's some great advice. Has there been any social media that you've tried, and, and for whatever reason, your audience wasn't there, and you, and you thought, okay, I'm going to let this go? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, it, it, Twitter.
1: And and Twitter, um, I think the only people to use Twitter is um the media and the Kardashians. I mean, like that's <laughs> <laughs> that is it. Who else uses Twitter? And um, Twitter is a is a weird um because it's been around around for a long time, and it's got it's kind of dying, which is why they brought they made Periscope. I think um, uh, it's a lonely it's a lonely medium unless you get involved in other people's comments. It's so weird. You have to be an interloper. So you have to interject yourself into other people's conversations and make comments. I've tested this, actually, funny you mentioned this, last week. And it's crazy how, A, I got followers out of nowhere. I know who these people were. I have like five followers. But the point is people started following. And then um, were responding to my comments. So if you see something you like, and here's a kind of cool trick, is that you do a search for topics that you care about. I don't care. Uh, uh, um, Cantaloupes, uh, uh, watermelon, uh, uh, vodka drinking, whatever the heck it is. Uh, it's, or see or see what's trending, and you do a search, and then whatever anybody's saying that matters, just respond to it. You know, at so and so, you know, I I see what you're saying; it makes a whole, whole lot of sense. And you start to notice people start to retweet and to favor and to follow. So, so the thing about Twitter is you have to literally interject yourself into conversations.
0: It's a good point. It's a it's a time commitment, mm-hmm. and yeah. and you are randomly pulling people off the internet kind of that are around one topic but when that topic dies you know, you're know, you still following them or they're following you and hopefully the tweets that you put out still engage them.
1: Uh, Twitter is one of those things that absolutely people um, uh, you have to get inside the conversation and build it if it makes sense for what you're doing maybe it doesn't necessarily make sense and I think a part of that and somebody says well how do you know what makes sense for your business? Dude I don't know. It, it really makes sense. It depends on how you who you are as a person. I think that for comedians, for entertainers, people have got to see us, right? Every time I've gone to do, like, um, I've done, I, I also perform often at, at weddings. I do emceeing for weddings. And whenever, uh, I discover this little trick too. So if anybody out there is doing performing, here's a trick around conventions. So you know how you do these shows where, you know, you go have a booth somewhere and, and hopefully people come buy your services. I discovered, like, five years ago, look, I'm not a cake I'm not a photographer, right? You can't, you can't, the only way you're going to know what I do is by experiencing what I do. So the only way I would actually be in a show is if I could MC the show. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I say, yeah, whatever you, whatever your way you're marketing your business, find a way that you can demonstrate your talent because then people go, I want that. And it's unbelievable how many people would book me as their MC. And, and also I bring in a DJ, uh, because first the person is looking for just a DJ. They go, no, no. I want that. I need, I need. her because the energy, the the excitement, the enthusiasm, the the fun that people are having. Complete strangers. They go, well, she can do this with a bunch of strangers, real strangers. What are they going to do with my two hundred and fifty people at, at my wedding? Right. So you got to be able to demonstrate. You. It's got kind of showcasing, and that's what it comes on to. Is whenever you're you're out there trying to market yourself, it's can, can I showcase my my value? And that's what uh, live um, Facebook Live is doing. You have to showcase yourself. That's what um, Instagram, anything video-wise, even Snapchat. There's some comedians, like I know a, a com- good comedian friend of mine. Um, he he's a, he's a beast that he uses all three mediums: Periscope, Live. Uh, in fact, sometimes he's filming all at the same time to kind of get it all at once. But as um, as performers, we have to perform on video, and that's I think ultimately the the until until you become Kevin Hart level, or he can tweet whatever, and that becomes a big deal. Um. You have people have to see your. You have to showcase in every single um, engagement that you have with the audience. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I'm just already thinking too. When I pitch myself to corporate groups, I, you know, I've got the 25 years of experience, and I can handle just about any situation. It might be good for me to grab my phone when I see maybe a tough setup where we've talked in the pre-planning process about, hey, the audience needs to be close or needs to be great lighting, and I show up and there's not. And not as a way to put the current group down, but say, hey. I'm going to show you how I can overcome these two horrific things for a performer. The audience is 60 feet away and there's poor lighting and the audio is shaky. But let's, let's see how the first three minutes are going to have to try to figure out how to meet me halfway and then we'll get it from there. And, you know, it's live, so there's an element of like walking the tightrope and I guess I've got to hand the phone off to somebody and tell them to, to bail. <laughs> you know, it's, at a certain point it's going to be an hour long video, but, but that would be a way for me to show what I am able to do in a better way than me telling them that I can do it.
1: No, Rick, absolutely. Again, if, if your are listeners, there's people who, who either comedy or also want to do speaking. I think, that, first of all, speaking is much more lucrative uh, than being at clubs unless you're producing your own shows. Um, uh, here's the thing, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll give you insiders. You probably already know this because you've done it for so long, long, but I discovered that the buyers of our services as speakers are not talented buyers, right? They're HR people. They're office administrators, right? They're people who were told in some committee, go find me a speaker. And now it's their job to get a thumbtack or get some other service to find a speaker. They have to read all this information and it's boring as hell, right? But you know, you're different. You know, you have a skill, you know, you can really bring it. Um, What's the biggest problem? Um, You know, you know, uh, hey, we're running late and you had an hour, but now you have 20 minutes. How do you adjust for that? Right? So it's almost like if if you have moments in video wise that you can demonstrate, here's what I do, or heck you're, you're at an event. And and you can do like a little demo video. You at an event announcing to people, "Hey, folks, I'm going to be speaking to you know, uh, you know, Kmart, uh, Walmart, or I'm going to speak to, to, to Microsoft here in a moment." Uh, you're well dressed, etc. So they all the visuals, even if it's sixty seconds long, that video alone will do more uh, for you than someone who put a proposal together and have a bunch of words because we're n- we're not writers, we're performers. So if you perform right for the people who are trying to buy your services. They get a sense of who you are, right? Uh, visually, they get a sense of the fact that you know you're clean shaven, that you have a tie, that you have a suit, whatever. You're not going to show up just because. The other thing too is if you're humorous, they're worried about what you're going to, how you're going to bring right the, the humor. Show it to them. Let them know. And and then if possible, do a quick a quick uh, video on, um, right after with a couple of people who who just experienced it. Um, obviously, the person who hired you. I always, 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 always get video from the people who hire me. Um, even if I don't use it, I don't always use everything. But if I get some really good uh, um, sound bites, I'll use that. Um, I, I stop being too shy about my own phone. I just have like a like a, hold my phone with a what call it a this little tripod, uh, handheld tripod, almost like a selfie. And then I interview them. I tell them ahead of time, "I'm going to ask you three questions. You know, what did you think? How how did you like the 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 message? Did it suit the group? And you know, um, what would be your advice to people who want to hire me?" Always the same thing, um, and uh, and that's always worked. And they and, and if you did a great job, they're happy to say good things about you. Um, do not miss an opportunity to get feedback from you from the clients you serve. Right then, in the beginning, you used to be shy about it, I'm like ah, oh, you know, I don't want to, you know, toot my own ho- Toot your horn so loud they hear it. Right. <laughs> if you don't do it, nobody else will. And then you walk away, right? Right? And you walk away thinking, ah, oh, that was an awesome gig. But also, a lot of clients won't always write reviews. They're not writers, right? That's not what they do there. Once you give them the service, that you move on, they move on. So capture the video in the moment.
0: Yep, and I guess you could type that up, and that could be their testimonial if you want to do it that way.
1: Absolutely, ab- absolutely. And then from the testimonial, the key phrase they may say: "Never seen it before," that, you know, "Unbelievable, best thing ever." Um, I saw, this, <laughs> I saw this, this one speaker that had said that somebody had said in their show, like the best talk ever. And I watch this video and I'm like, dude, they don't get out much. I mean, this right. guy was a great. So, so seriously, you know, I, I don't necessarily look at other people's sites and go, oh, man, this guy's better, this guy, or this guy, girl's better. But rather, what can I do to get people to talk about what I did on video and then take sound bites of what they said and actually write it, just like you said, write it out, post it on your website, your email signature, every way they contact you. You have a way to demonstrate your your value. That's
0: awesome. That's that's really good stuff. And I haven't talked too much on the podcast about the uh, video stuff, the YouTube stuff. So very timely and uh, something that I'm I'm trying to get better at. In fact, I'm working on two client testimonial videos right now, just assembling phrases from a bunch of different groups after shows. And they're kind of almost interchangeable. So they're telling the story, but it's seven or 10 different people telling the story of why you should hire Rick Roberts. So I know exactly what you're talking about, and I had to get past the shyness of asking for those testimonials, and the way I do it, like you talk about holding yourself accountable, I'll tell them when they first hire me, I say, you know, for this rate, uh, I'll give you this amount of time, and at the end, I would need a video testimonial, and remind me of that in case I forget, and then I'll remind them when I show up, hey, I'm I'm here an hour and a half early before the show, check the lights, sound, and don't let me forget after the show. To get a quick video testimony, so two times I've reminded them to remind me. So if I bring it up, they're like, "Oh yeah, I should have reminded you that already."
1: No, a- absolutely. In fact, the other thing I, I do um, around the video, because again, even I, even, that is the many times I've done, it, I'm like, "Oh my god, here we go. I got to ask for video." Um, a, if if I, if, if uh, the show is pretty is, is a big uh, event, I will have an actual biographer uh, there who professionally is doing it. So I will tell the person ahead of time, "Hey, by the way, when we're done, uh, John here is going to be taking a quick testimony of you. Is it all right if other people, you know, if they have something to say?" Uh, but guess what? Um the the you're only gonna give me testimonial or you're gonna tell me how you think if you liked it. If you so it it puts the onus back on me to deliver right. a good show for you. you follow? Oh, yeah. So I'm telling I'm telling them, hey, you know, only if I do a good a good job and you really like what I did and how I perform, then uh tell you know, tell them, tell me again uh, on video. And then what I'll do too, by the way, uh, Rick, is that I will stand off camera like a like a reporter. So they're looking at me. Uh-huh. So the key thing is, because people are like looking at cameras, they feel super shy, but if they're looking at me and asking the question, and I'm asking them the question, they're looking off camera, much better, more of a natural feel, um, and people feel more comfortable. Uh, but I'm also, I, I tell them the questions ahead of time. I'm going to ask you this, this, and this, um, you know, the, my, my, my three key questions, and then, um, but, all, but only give me a testimonial if uh, you enjoyed it. So then when I get to the end, so hey, Rick, did you, did you love it or what? So so again, it's perfor- continue the performance, even even while I'm getting the testimonial, because there's, the te- you know, you you know this, the testimonial is is, is a, it's weight in gold. Hell, don't pay me and give me a great a raving review, and I'm and I'm I'll take
0: it. Right. I'll do it. Yep, it's key stuff, man. Brooklyn, it, it's gone by really fast. I think you've thrown out so many golden nuggets. It's going to take me forever to make these show notes because I don't want anybody to miss this stuff. Lots of good stuff. Um, I appreciate your working some time in while you're speaking and doing what you love to do to talk about what you love to do. Thank you, my pleasure. Where's the best place for people to find out more about you? Would you like them? I can include your Instagram in the show notes. Just tell me what you want, and I'll pop it in there. It's actually Brooklyn Comedy um, Live
1: on Instagram, and then um, and then on my website, right? I can go on my website Uh, if they want it. They also can follow me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page to again Brooklyn Comedy Live on Facebook. Rick has
0: been fantastic. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, thanks for making time, and I'll be talking to you soon. All right, take care now. You too. Hope you enjoyed that. I really got a couple of key nuggets there when she was talking about video testimonials, something I've been very lax about doing after shows, even though now that I've started, uh, since I interviewed her, this interview is a couple of weeks old, uh, I started taking that stuff right into action. And now I've got uh, several up on the website, up on YouTube already. And it's paying off, paying dividends as people see what other people think about my show. It's always better to have somebody else tell you how good you are than you try to tell people how good you are. It just comes off better. And speaking of other people saying how good you are, Hey, it's time for an iTunes review. This review comes in from John Hill, who's also supporting us through Patreon this week. Thanks, John, for the five-star review. It says, are you serious about comedy anyway? If you are, then you have to subscribe to this podcast. The information, interviews, and advice that Ricks create is beyond valuable for anyone pursuing the dream of a career in comedy. And for that matter, even if you only intend to pursue comedy as a hobby, this will help. Episode 112 on social media is worth it all by itself. Thanks, Rick, for your tireless efforts and sacrifice to help others in an industry where helping others is rarely of value when dogs are trying to eat other dogs. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe already. Thanks, John, for that killer iTunes review. And uh, I appreciate those last couple episodes with Kate Doerr on social media were phenomenal. And I look forward to bringing more content like that to you and the other listeners down the road. Hope you had a lot of fun today's podcast. I'll be talking to you next week. Take care, be safe, and stay funny.
1: Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolOfLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.